Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette, and as we do every Thursday, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts. My guest today is a motivational speaker and coach, a defensive tactic instructor, founder of the Stronger Than Drugs Foundation. He's a seven-time world champion and two-time All-American champion, was featured on A&E's Legends of the Martial Arts, featured on TNT and Wesley Snipes' Masters of the Martial Arts, was also featured in one of my favorite shows, WMAC Masters, and so much more. Please welcome my guest today, Willie the Bam Johnson. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, I'm, I'm great, sir. Thanks for having me here today. Good, good. I'm glad we could do this. So so what we do with all my guests, we, we kind of go back to the beginning. I want to know where that, that first spark, that first interest in martial arts came from and kind of what age and, and what led the beginning of your martial arts journey. For me, it was uh, Chinese Connection, Bruce Lee's Chinese Connection. Nice. Back in the 70s uh, when Kung Fu movies were in every inner city movie house that you could possibly imagine. And uh, along with a black exploitation film. So mm-hmm. they were like the saving grace for many people. And there's this, just this one time my parents were so overprotected growing up in the city of Baltimore before it got really crazy. And they would never let me go to the movie theaters by myself or anything. And I was, you know, as a child, I was going through some devastating things at home, you know, things that was happening to me from outside family members, uh, real tragic, emotional things. But I always had this natural instinct where I didn't want to increase the pain and pressure on my parents. So I would always shield the things that was happening to me, the violence I was seeing, you know, the, you know, just the physical things that was being done to me as a child. And I remember my mom let me go with a next door neighbor this one time to go and see a movie. And I remember going down to the Hippodrome Theater in Baltimore City. And man, it was so many people, I mean, from, you know, around the corner, around this corner, around that corner. Just to get in to see, you know, because remember back then they had those commercials. You would be sitting home watching TV and Five Fingers of Death or Bruce Lee, Chinese Connection. And, yep. You know, you're just so hyped. And I got a chance to go in and see that movie, man. And when I seen Bruce Lee, I didn't see Bruce Lee. I seen me. Okay. I seen it was a moment for me to become a hero to many kids at a young age that was probably going through what I was going through and didn't know how to get it out. So Bruce Lee turned my life around. He inspired me at that moment at six years old. Wow. Okay. And then at, at what age did you first actually seek out martial arts then and start taking lessons? Right after that. I mean, because yep. remember back then, you know, martial arts wasn't that commercial, you know, right. so it was like people who had returned from the, you know, the war, you know, there was community centers. I mean, there was people teaching in, in a community, you know, in, in the back alleys or, or, you know, in the project buildings in the top lock. Everybody, you know, back then martial arts was in those in those communities, it was everywhere. I mean, everybody was making noon chucks and everybody was flipping on pissy mattresses. I mean, the culture was so rich. It was, I mean, just, you know, it was just so wonderful. And, and everybody wanted to, to share and 
come out the movie theater emulating techniques. And I just happened to get caught up with an instructor by the name of Jody, who was a black belt and Shotokan karate. And okay. he started teaching us in the cop in the um we call it the top lot. And that after that, man, it just it just lit a fire. I just was creating, doing whatever I can do to just emulate what I was seeing in the movie theaters along with getting formal instructions from the guy in the community. Okay. And so what was it about that, uh, that Shotokan? What was it that, about that specific style that you really enjoyed? I don't think it was the style. I'm, I'm always, a, I'm a creative person. So I don't think it was really the style. It was just the, the art. Okay. It didn't matter what style it was. I mean, when you combine, you know, creatively expressing what you've seen on the screen and flipping on the pissy mattresses and, you know, jumping off the of roofs and all these things that we did as a kid back then. That just, it just, you know, martial arts just added to my my fuel to express myself so I can get through the pain of stuff that was happening to me in my, you know, in my household and, you know, and that I was seeing in my household as well. Okay. What are some things you remember about that first instructor and, and how long did you train with him? Um, I mean, well, I think the one thing you had to earn your way to get in class, they had something called the beat up wagon, you know, that, that ain't the extra term. They call it the F wagon, but. Yep. It was probably like 10 guys on one side, 10 students on the other side. And you had to walk through and they beat you up and spit on you and did all this stuff. And if you made it to the other side, you made it, you were able to be a part of the martial arts school. Wow. You know, they call it gang initiation, but that was class initiation. That's, <laughs> you know, that's because it wasn't really, I mean, one thing I would have clipped, a lot of times people heard me talk and they think that my life, my, like my family, we were poor, but back then poor was, if I tell my dad that stuff, that was like a richness. I mean, we, we ate, you know, it's, it wasn't like what you see today. I mean, it's, it wasn't poverty. It was just, it was great. It was a great life, man. You know, I mean, it was struggles. Every, who don't have struggles? You know what I'm saying? Right. Definitely. So that moment, you know, just going through that, it just, I, I wanted it that bad. I just, you know, something, it, Bruce Lee lit something inside of me and it just gave me a chance to search for how I can express it. It didn't matter what art. And I was willing to do whatever. If he said, if he said jump off the roof, I probably jumped off the roof. That's what it was, you know? <laughs> okay. So so how long did you stay in Shotokan then, your first style? Well, I stayed, I mean, because we kept going from person to person and, and, and community to community, I don't think, remember, it wasn't really about belts. It wasn't really about, you know, uh, it was about the tradition, but it wasn't really about these belts. So it wasn't really about all this, you know, commercialization. It was just art, you know. I okay. mean, how can you put a how can you put a label on art? Or how can you put a label on, you know, you give, they give. And before you know it, you was with somebody else and they were giving. So I mean, the creative moment, I think more more what was happening for me, I found the way to emulate what I was seeing in the movies because I lived in the movie house. So any movie I went to see, you know, I was taking pictures, I was filming it, I was stealing magazines, I was stealing books. I was doing whatever it takes to feed the fire of what martial arts had lit inside of me. It freed me from me. Okay. When did, like at what age, when did competition start for you? When was that something that piqued your interest and you started doing the competition side of martial arts? Well, I think it all connected, you know, just that once again, because of the freedom of expression, that the way martial arts was being taught and expressed at that time and, and getting those magazines, you know, stealing the, the official karate magazines, the Karate Illustrated. And when, when I say steal, I don't want it to come across like, you know, you were just taking it and you just, just didn't care. It was like, once again, I needed something to fill this dream that was lit, lit inside of me. I wanted out. I wanted better. I wanted something more. And 
when you fall in love with something so passionately as a child, you, you, you didn't know what you were doing. You just wanted it so bad. And, and at that time, parents didn't understand the benefits of martial arts. My parents didn't have a lot of extra money to pay for martial art magazines. Nobody's seen the value in that stuff. I mean, it wasn't the commercial. I didn't even call the books and the magazines commercial. I think even Black Belt back then in official karate, they were showing you the authentic expression of what martial arts was doing around the country. Mm-hmm. And tournaments at that time was the way to get famous. You know, Bruce Lee gave me a desire to want to become, you know, a superhero. I wanted to be a movie action star just like him. I didn't know he was fighting for his, you know, for his people. It wasn't it wasn't a racial thing. It was just a human thing. And um, when I seen those magazines, I started emulating what was in those magazines. It kept me alive. It get, you know, and and I knew that the way to make it back then, Bruce Lee got discovered at a tournament. Everybody got discovered at a tournament. Mm-hmm. And then when they got discovered at a tournament, they got a chance to be in the movie. And before you know it, they got famous. And they got and if they got in the magazines, they got put in movies. That's how it was back then. The only place to find martial arts was at tournament. So the best thing to do at a young age is to figure out how do I follow the, the path? Because nobody around me, like, like the day the kids are fortunate, you got everybody telling you, giving you positive reinforcement. Back then, wasn't nobody giving you no positive reinforcement. They didn't want you in the martial art class after all. You was a child, so you had to prove yourself. There wasn't a lot of kids in it back then. I think I was probably like one of the youngest people amongst teenagers and adults. So you had to really prove yourself. Nobody, I'm not going to say it was against it, but it was, the benefits wasn't really as obvious right now as it is right now. I mean, it, it, it just, but it's art. Once again, you know, when you fall in love with something, music or, or whatever, I mean, it just lights something inside of you. You just do whatever it takes to be able to, you know, to, to, to bring it alive and, and grow with it. And at a young age, I just knew, I knew that that's what I wanted. And I've always been creative. I did what I can do to, to find entrepreneurship ways, you know, at that time in the 70s and to get money to get magazines, sometimes steal magazines and help people out. I just always had this, what I'm doing now, I always did as a kid. I don't know why, just this, just something that gave me reasons and, and ways to adjust and hustle and, and earn money and steal magazines and do whatever I could do to, to manifest this dream. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense. So do you remember your first ever competition? Yeah, my first tournament was, I think I was like 16. It was the All-American, no, it was the uh, Battle, it was, not the Battle of Baltimore, it was the Condi's Karate Tournament. And I, I got second place and uh, I got third place in forms and I got second place in fighting. Okay. And back then I was making up forms because we didn't really, back then we didn't really do forms. We did more fighting than anything. But I, because I, I was doing street gymnastics, I was into the music and all that stuff, the culture of, of the urban environment. I always knew that I wanted something more, but fighting was what we did. You know, by that time, I had now got another uh, um, because there was other people that I was working with. I was doing boxing. I was doing, you know, you go to a Taekwondo school and I can watch and the guy, you know, they they see you got a little desire to want to learn. They tell you come into class, you know, Kung Fu. We had a Kung Fu school in the city of Baltimore, Tony Lynn. So it it, it was a lot of journeys, you know, in my resume. It's kind of hard to remember everything. Right. But I, I got most of it on my resume because it was like traveling through a forest of discovery. And because I was so passionate, people welcomed me. I had my own homemade dojo. That was the one thing I did in the projects. I had made my own dojo. Nice. I made heavy bags. I made Wing Chun dummies. I made weapons. I was making my own uniforms. Everything I seen in those movies, I mean, in those magazines and books, I was making myself prepare for this tournament. And I, I do know one of the, Cynthia Rothrock, Benita Jedarkidis, 
they all had custom made uniforms. Benny had his his jet on his pants leg, and yep. Cindy always had a uniform for forms, a uniform for weapons, a uniform for the nighttime finals. And then at that same time, Wushu was becoming popular with Jet Li and so forth. Right. And they had all these elaborate uniforms. So, you know, before I went into the tournament, I did know that I could sew. So I started sewing my own uniforms and making my own uniforms. So when I went to that first tournament, I had a custom-made BAMS uniform. Very cool. Where did the nickname come from? I'm curious. Well, my uncle named me Bam Bam because I got a lot of, they say I had a lot of energy. I was always getting into stuff. My wife said my youngest son today, she said, she said, this is you. This is a spitting image of you because <laughs> he's so creative. He's so energized. You know, he just he, he just loves creatively doing things. And um, that's what my parents say I was. So my uncle called me. He gave me the name Bam Bam. That's what it was called. So when I first started competing, they used to call me Willie Bam Bam Johnson. OK, so that's that. That was the name I, I had when I was competing. And that's what I had on all my uniforms. Bam Bam. So. I mean, like, it's funny. I'm looking, listening to an audio tape about who, how FUBU got started, mm-hmm. but that's how I got started in tournaments. I was making my own uniforms. I knew what I had to do. Once again, at a young age, I knew, and nobody didn't stop me. They didn't. I'm not going to say they. They didn't support me, but they didn't stop me. Right. Because it was so new, and it, and if it, if if it made you happy, they didn't know what to do. But sometimes my dad would say, "Come demonstrate the nunchucks." and things like that. So I did whatever I can do. And so when I made that plan to go to my first tournament, by then my, my main instructor that gave me my first black belt at that time, his name was Kenneth Parker. Okay. And by that time we were in a community center called McKim's community center. Okay. Do you remember, so, how, how much do you remember your first black belt task and talk a little bit about that? That's funny. That experience, because I had my own dojo and I was teaching kids in the community. So I had a dojo and my, and we lived in the projects. We had three rooms. I had a room, my sister had a room, my mom had a room. So when my sister moved out the house, my mom gave me the room. I turned the whole room. It was like, if you ever look at some of my books, you'll see Bruce Lee pictures all over the wall, from the ceiling down to the floor, on the doors, everything. So it was like this whole room, the walls were painted with Bruce Lee photos. And I was, like I said, I was making heavy bags. I was making weapons. So everybody knew in the projects that, whoa, this guy is crazy. They was calling me the Black Bruce Lee. Everything I did was nothing but martial arts. <laughs> By that time, everybody else had faded away from martial arts. I mean, a creative expression because they were going into other things. But I, I was holding on to it. And around 13, 12 or 13, I was teaching kids. You know, I, I guess I was helping kids stop from being bullied. And I was teaching kids and I was create my own little style and doing all these things. And one day the kids said, Hey man, what, let's go over to this center called McKim's community center. I think they got karate over there. So that we went over the guy still at McKim's to this day. His name is the white one. So we went over and I still remember the conversation. They said, Hey, you should let this guy teach karate here. And I'm like 13 years old. And I was like, yeah, can I teach karate here? And the white said, get away from here, boy, you too young to teach karate. You ain't got no diploma. Get it, get out of here. Get away from here, kid. So, you know, he ran me away. So we went in the back of McKim's and we started doing all these back flips, running up the wall, flipping off the off the off the buildings. And this guy, Kenneth Parker, came out, who was a black button, uh, Kangaquan. He was a, a yoga master and he was also expert in Wing Chun and all these other forms of martial arts. So he came back and he seen us and he said, hey, look, guys, I'm going to start a club. Y'all come on in here. And I mean, so he guided all that creative energy. Okay. And he started a martial arts club. So now we in there doing yoga. I'm like 13. We doing burning pots. I mean, we in there sparring. 
we doing everything. And, and, and I always tell people it was so funny because we're in the heart of the projects. Well, what happens is that you will always get these older people that will walk by the dojo and they would challenge you. They would come in and say, hey, what's this karate stuff? Can you guys use that stuff? And because I was so natural and so and my instructor said so I was hitting my time, he would always make me challenge the guys. And I mean, at that moment, man, I was like undefeated. I'd be a young kid fighting these grown people. But, you know, when you creatively just passionate about what you do, I don't even think it was about winning or losing or ego. It was just pride and just expressing what you felt inside your soul. Does that make sense? Oh, definitely. Makes very good sense. I like that. Yeah. And then, you know, I tested for my first black belt and I had to fight my teacher. Got a good lick in on him, but he got a lot more licks in on me. And, <laughs> you know, we broke boards. We were doing yoga. I didn't understand why we were by, by burning pots back then. Before anybody, <laughs> after every class, he would put these pots to the grit on, you know, in front of the class and he would burn them. He was into all the nutritional stuff. But one of the things that's so important, you know, and without me getting emotional, he never stopped believing in me. I was writing movie scripts. He would correct the spelling. I wanted wow. to be a black superstar in films like Bruce Lee was for his people. He supported me. You know, when I wanted to go to tournaments, he would say go. When I wanted to train with other people like Master Garcia Davis, and then I wanted to go and train with Master Brown, he supported me. He allowed me to be me. If it wasn't for him giving me that moment, I'd have never met Master Brown, who took it all to the next level for me. I'd have never went to the tournaments. He, I went all by myself. So that whole experience of just letting us be kids. Right. You know, he just let us be kids, you know. And I, when I'm saying this, I think about Jerry Fontanez, one of my, my, my brothers my, and one of the greatest sports karate champions of all times. I remember one time a couple of kids was playing and we were having a conversation at Master Alan Goldberg's event. And I said to all the kids, I said, hold up, man, wait. I said, guys, stop. And Jerry said, hold up, let me get it for you. He said, hey, kids, stop playing. And everybody just broke out laughing. And I realized that we now in a society where we don't let kids be kids anymore. Right. They let me be a kid. And if they wouldn't have let me be a kid, I wouldn't have became the person I am today. And that's what my black belt test was. It was it was setting me free to be okay with me and live my dreams. Very cool. And then as far as competition, do you remember what tournament was your your first big win, your first like uh, national championship win? As Henry chose All-American Championship, Madison Square Garden. Oh, wow. Madison Square Garden. Very cool. Madison Square Garden. At that time, SME Chose was a nationally rated tournament on the East Coast. Because you, if you follow the Karate Illustrated ratings, you knew which, which tournaments were the big tournaments. And back then, they were controlled by Karate Illustrated. Karate Illustrated was the, the big controlling circuit for all the tournaments back then. That's why you, you got on the cover, you know, and, and that was the sister magazine, the Black Belt magazine. So, Karate Illustrated was the sports karate magazine. Official karate also covered it, but the real ratings was in Karate Illustrated. It was the Karate Illustrated ratings. And I remember seeing, you know, SME Chose, and you heard about Ron Van Cleef and all these great people. Steve, um, was it William Oliver? All the greats, Cynthia Rothrock, winning this tournament, and nobody knew. Once again, I just knew what I wanted, and I figured out a way to write letters and send to local people to get people to sponsor me. And I got a counselor at a community center. And this, this was, I was like 16 at this time. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew to take it to the next level. I had to go to a tournament. And these people just rallied behind me. They helped me get, all I asked for was enough money to catch the bus. I never been on a bus in my life before, <laughs> wow. but I wanted to get to this tournament so bad. So all I asked for was enough money to get on a bus. I ain't know nothing about hotel rooms. 
and an entry fee. Entry fee was like $25, maybe $35, something like that. Mm -hmm. And they helped me get that money. My mom didn't know where I was going. Nobody knew where I was going. And back then, that's when New York wasn't in New York what it is right now. It was like the, right. the actual picture of the Warriors. <laughs> you know, it was, <laughs> you thought about New York back then, man. You thought that, man, you would get murdered. All these bad things was happening. What happened to you? And I remember catching the Greyhound bus and I'm going through that, you know, going through the tunnel, making it down to the, the, the main bus terminal. And I get off the bus and, and, and I'm fearful, man. I mean, that's like, I've never been to this place. I don't know where I'm going. And I didn't even realize that Madison Square Garden was right up the street. I could have walked like three blocks up from <laughs> where the bus station was at. But I was so, you know, so nervous and so unaware. I caught a cab and then he let me out in front of that form, man, the Madison Square Garden. And back then, tournaments were huge. Mm -hmm. And I just remember seeing all those people. I didn't know Madison Square Garden was Madison Square Garden. To me, it was just a tournament. <laughs> it's not until I get older that I knew, man, my first win was at Madison Square Garden. Wow. And I remember going in there, Ron Van Cleef, everybody was there. I mean, to go to New York and win in New York, you had to be good. Nobody respected Kung Fu like that back then. Kung Fu was like dance. Mm -hmm. And I remember my weapon was broadsword and my form was 24B. And I remember going in there, knowing how to register and I go in there and I got tied up with New York's number one forms champion at that time and weapons champion, Aziz. And if you heard this, Aziz, you know what I'm talking about. And I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I got tied up doing a Kung Fu form with New York's best. Wow. We had to do a tiebreaker. And guess what? I won. I could not believe it, man. I was preached to be on TV with Ron Van Cleef and everybody. I didn't understand any of that. And plus, I didn't have enough money to get a hotel. And I had to get back on the bus before the final started. So I won. And I had to run and jump back on the bus and come back home. Oh, wow. Dang. That's an experience, though. Definitely something you'll never forget. <laughs> I never. Had that. But if you dream and you want it that bad, if it wasn't for any of that, and that's what I say to anybody, don't block no one's dream. If it wasn't for any of that, man, I wouldn't be who I am right now. When I say that, I think about my mom. My mom didn't understand it. And I remember after I did that and I got what it was like, I started going to the Diamond National. I started going to every tournament. I started going to all these tournaments. And before you know it, I was like the youngest kid competing against adults. And I was recognized by Karate Illustrated as one of the best competitors competing. I was fighting. I was doing forms. I was doing weapons. I was doing everything. And I was coming in alone. I was doing whatever I had to do. And I was winning. I remember my first Diamond Nationals with Kevin Thompson. I got eighth place. But back then, eighth place was like a first place at a national tournament today. Yep. And I kept showing up. I would be on the bus for three days and I would get off the bus and I would run into the tournament, compete and get back on the bus. Mm. That's how bad I wanted it. And it was because of that, that my mom would sit at the door every time I returned home. And I don't think she, oh man, sorry. <sighs> I don't think she understood what I was doing because I didn't show fear. What, what, what was her happiest moments that I would come back with a six foot trophy and she would stand at the door and she would be so happy because I don't think she ever seen someone live a dream and be so passionate for something. At that time, I started my goals that changed and I just wanted to get my mom out the projects. And I wanted my mom to be happy. Whew, sorry, but I'm, mm. you're good. You're good. Take your time. It was no longer selfishly for me. I just wanted my mom to have the greatest things in the world. And at that time, all you had to do was get in the movies and get famous. And, you know, you can change everybody's life. And 
things were going that way, you know, and but along at the same time, during that time too, in that in those communities, then crack cocaine and drugs started becoming into that community in the 80s. And now all of my friends that I was friends with and doing great things with, they were now doing these bad things and violence was hitting me. And I was just in turmoil. I was I think I, I call it I was going through the pits of hell when I would come from a tournament because I had to go through all the violence to get to my house. And it was hard for a kid because nobody understood what we were going through now. There were times that changed from the good fun martial art classes and practicing and flipping. You couldn't be on the playground because it was shooting and, and crack files and, and needles all over the place and so forth. I'm glad you mentioned the Diamond Nationals. That's actually the, the first time I ever saw you compete in person was at the Diamond Nationals. I, oh, I, you did? I'm from Minnesota, and I used to, I, I want to say it was 90 or 91. I can't remember, but uh, I, I used to, I didn't compete myself. I went down to watch a friend compete and just support him, and we went down about five or six years in a row, and I, I remember seeing you compete at least once, if not twice, so... And I also That's remember, awesome. I, I think you were the, you were also there right around the time promoting WMAC Masters too when that came out. So yes, yes, I, yeah. I, I probably have your autograph on a magazine cover somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Long time ago. So speaking of that, so so what led to the Hollywood thing? What you know? What I know, you said that was something you wanted to do. Uh, what what kind of led to you breaking into Hollywood? That because it was yeah, it was something. The plan, you know. Once again, you got to plan your work and work your plan. And I always, like I said, I always put Bruce Lee pictures. I knew what I wanted. I followed the path of what, that's the power of, of reading. That's the power of magazines. That's the power. Remember, we didn't have social media back then. So the, those Black Belt magazines and Karate Illustrated and official karate magazines, they gave you the formula. If you read it, you study, they told you what to do. And, and I say again to anybody out there, don't stop your kid that want to draw something and put it up on the wall. That's a vision board. You know what I'm saying? That's mm-hmm. the goal. Don't criticize. Let that authenticity just be expressed. And because I was doing that, I knew what I wanted to do. If I could get win enough tournaments, I can get in the films. And then I understood because I was doing gymnastics and I was doing martial arts and Wushu was becoming bigger. I knew that I really needed to expand my training with someone else. And that's when I got with Grandmaster Dennis Brown. He accepted me as a student for exchange, uh, me sharing my gymnastics with his students. And that's when I think it really took off because... Now he had gave, gave me a chance to go to China. You know, that was the first, that's when China first opened up. So all these things parallel to how I got to be in Hollywood, because in order to win, you had to be the best. I just didn't want to be no has-been. I wanted to win. I wanted to be the best. So when Master Brown gave me a chance to go as, as one of the second troops to go to mainland China, and I got a chance to go there and train. And once again, this creative little kid never thought that I would ever go to China. My mom had passed away. So now I was taking care of myself and Master Brown was there to help me. And he made a bet with me, said, if you can get X amount of students, I was running a karate school now, a real school. I was like now 18, running my own karate school, Kung Fu school at that time. And he made a bet. He said, I'm going to take you to China if you can get X amount of students. And I got those students and I couldn't believe it. A little kid from the projects going to China, that was bigger than meeting Bruce Lee. Wow. Because that's when China first opened up. So when you went there, it wasn't a commercial China. It was like real hardcore training, three workouts a day. Wushu was just becoming popular with Jet Li. The Shaolin Temple hadn't even really, like, it was just about ready to take off. So that movie that changed the whole face of Kung Fu films, I mean, martial art films, was was um, Jet Li with Wushu. And when we went there, because Master Brown knew how to speak fluent Chinese, he let us be able to train with the people. He let us train with the village, the poor people. That's where you got the real art. 
we learned more in 30 days than most people probably learned in two years going to China. Wow. And I was working out every day. I knew that coming from the ghetto and to get this goal, there's no way I cannot make the best. But at the same time, in order for me to come back and win, to get what I needed to get, I couldn't learn a new form or a new weapon. So I went there and I watched them. I, I swear to you, anybody will tell you, and it's that little kid that can pick up something just like that. And my little son can do it now. I watched them do a three, a four line form. I comprehend as many moves as I can. And when they said come up and demonstrate so they can split us in advanced groups and beginners group, I couldn't go in the beginners group. I had to go in advanced group. I went in advanced group and they could not believe that I already knew four lines of a form, a broad sword form. And because of my strength, the how I was demonstrated, demonstrating, they asked me to fight with their world champion, Sandow champion, and I beat him. And they recognized me as one of the best Americans that ever trained in China at that time. Wow. And guess what? When I came home, my dear friend who was number one, the number one forms competitor in the world, Charlie Lee, I got a chance to beat him. Nice. Not one time, but two times. That changed my whole life then. Yeah, I remember I remember watching Charlie compete too. So there were some great competitors back then, man. It was so yeah, fun to that's watch. That's my friend. So I, I want to say <laughs> it like, because back then, nobody was striving to be better. Than, we were striving to win and we motivated each other. So mm -hmm. I don't want it to come across like I'm better than him. He less than me. That At that time, it was a family. We we cheered for you to do your best so I can pull out my best. And that's how, it, I mean, that's what took me to the next level. And before you know it, if it wasn't for me, after going through some negative things and you could see it, I mean, you can look at my documentary and I didn't talk about all that stuff over and over. And, and it's like it was a defining moment for me. But at that moment, when I really got a chance to turn my life back around and I came home and started competing again, that's when my instructor named me the band. OK, so now before I was band band, when I went there, you know, got when, that, when my mom passed away and I was like lost, I came home from China. But, you know, once again, remember, you're a little kid. I take care of yourself. Nobody understood the violence that you see today. Nobody understood what it was like to drop me off in the projects at that time. And I had to walk from the sidewalk to my house. They didn't know what I was going through. They didn't understand the battle that I was fighting just to live that dream. Am I, am I making sense? Oh, perfect sense. Yes, 100%. So even when I made that mistake, when I, when I made that mistake, I, I remember and I tell many people, I, I dropped to my hands and knees and I said, God, if you give me another chance to use my martial arts to help people, I would never abandon you. And that just changed everything. I started practicing every day. I, I got back on my goals. And when I got a chance to go back to what I'm doing, I went back to competing. And when I came home, my instructor said, you know what? You're the band. Ain't no, ain't nobody else out here like that. You are the BAM. So you're going to get rid of that one. You are the BAM. And then that's when I started using the nickname, the BAM. And, you know, before you know it, I was writing articles, doing things, getting back in the magazine, get my name back out there. Everybody surrounded me and helped me at that time. John Chong, George Chong, I mean, Helen Chong, Ho Song Pop, Ho Young Pop, Richard Brandon, Larry Lamb. I mean, I, everybody, because they knew where I was at. When I when I got in trouble, I was like, I had achieved everything. And at that moment, I had lost everything. But most importantly, I got more than what I had lost. Because now I understood why I got, what my purpose was. And my purpose is what I'm doing right now. And if it wasn't for Richie Brandon, that friendship once again, and I remember, you know, it was my first a dream come true. I'm getting ready to get on the cover of Karate Illustrated magazine. Just thinking about Richard Brandon, I used to love watching him compete, and I was just looking him up, and I can't believe it's been nine years since he passed away already. 
Yeah, been a, um, and that was my best friend. He was my number my number one competitor along with Kevin Thompson. God bless both of their soul. But Richie was the one who, you know, when I had to get on the front cover of Karate Illustrated magazine, I called Richie. And it was me and Richie Brandon on my first cover shot. And that was Karate Illustrated. And um, I remember we were, you know, we were so close. And I remember him telling me, like, man, you know, at the, at the battle, man, they're doing some type of film audition. And I'm trying, I'm sending it out. Because even though at that time, not just was I writing articles, but I was sending videotapes. I was making my videotapes. I was doing whatever I can do to send them to Hollywood producers. Mm-hmm. All these different people, Keith Steinberg at that time, all those people, because Season Films was doing movies in, in, in the United States. So I was just trying to get my my hand in, in, in that out there in, in Hollywood, but it just wasn't panning out that way until Richie told me about that audition. And we went to Diamond Nationals. They had all the best martial artists. And at that time, I knew what I wanted. And they said, hey, so what do you want your character name to be? I said, the band. And they said, what costume did you want? I already had it planned out. Nice. So everything you see me represent a WMC Masters, I already had it written out. Once again, that little kid never lost sight of what he wanted to do. And that just changed my life. That's awesome. You know, I, I wish they'd bring that show back. That was such a good show. <laughs> so important. And it's kind of sad that it only lasted like what, 13 episodes, I believe. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that because we're doing a WMAC Masters, the BAM's Deb- Quest for the Dragon Star reunion at this year's U.S. Capital Classics, where we got Hakeem Austin coming in. <sighs> Cool. We got Christine Bannon coming in. We got Great Wolf coming in. We got Olympia coming in. We got Eric Betts coming in. We got uh, we probably we got Isaac Florentine coming in. This is giving the fans because I didn't know how powerful the show was until mm-hmm. Demetrius D'Angelo of Urban Action Showcase told me the influence that this show had for so many people and how we we set the bar for everyone and what you see now with Marvel and everything. And it was because of that, because we wasn't doing it to be famous. We were just doing it to have fun. We were competitors. We didn't know we'd get paid. Yep. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like we the best in the world and every it was no egos. It was just fun. We were. We were sitting around making money off of doing what we love doing. We didn't know we were making history. And I've been lucky. I've, I've got to interview a few people from that show. Now, I, I, Christine's been on the show. Uh, Herb Perez has been on the show. Carmichael Simon's been on my show. So, yeah, I've had a few people from there on it. And um, Michael Bernardo is going to be coming up. I'm supposed to be interviewing him, too. So, yeah. It's, yeah and, and, and Hakeem, too. I believe I'm, he's on my list, too. So, it's, it, yeah. yeah. I, 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 was, I, was, I was 20 years old, and I loved that show. <laughs> it wasn't just for kids. <laughs> That's awesome. And that's the power of what's happening. Here's, I mean, everybody been calling for a reboot. And then it's amazing that you said that, you know, so what we're doing at a time, the, the concept behind it at a time when kids need heroes and we did, we going through COVID and kids are just lost. Nobody knows what to do. You know, everybody trying to fight to keep their jobs, keep their marriages, keep everything together. Nobody is really focusing on the kids. And I know from my own kids, I looked, I said, no, we got to do something to recognize the kids. Not just do we do a movie during COVID, but we also came up with a concept where let's create a Heroes Award. We hear you, we see you, and we want to recognize you because heroes are one out of 100. And out of any sport during COVID, when everything shut down, kids were still practicing martial arts. So when I came back, I said, let's create a Heroes Award. And what better people to come out and show people that dreams can come true than to get the real life heroes that still are in martial arts and use martial arts to inspire and change their own lives and millions of other people's lives than the cast and crew of WMAC Masters. That's awesome. And that's happening at the U.S. Capitol Classic. So if anybody listens to this, come out. You get a chance to meet them. You get a chance to talk to them. You get a chance to see 
you know, we our goal is to film a, you know, to possibly film a, you know, a, a historical documentary, something, you know, an independent type of thing, just mm-hmm. to talk about the experience and all the things that's going on with the people that's showing up and give people a chance to say, look, fans, we didn't know that we inspired you, but now we want you to know what it was like on that show. And also the guy that's doing the, the first ever book on the, the, the secrets and, and historical documentation of what was really happening. Yep. I mean, he got interviews. He's got some stuff that he's going to blow people's mind. He's going to be hosting, but he got a book coming out too that's going to really feed the fans. And who knows? This might bring back the next level of WMAC Masters. That's the goal. I'd love it. I'd love to see, you know, this, some of the original ones and some of the newer competitors today doing a show together. And it'd be it'd be a blast. And I think the fans would, I think the original fans would love it. And you'd probably get a lot of new fans too. So fingers crossed. Yeah, that that's it. Yeah, we keep those prayers going. So we, we're putting it in motion at the U.S. Capitol Classics, I mean, uh, which is August 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th, which okay. is one of NASCAR's number one top tournaments. So people can come out, be a part of it, see the, see the old competitors, the old champions, and, and see what they have been doing and, and how we still are doing martial arts, but also see some of the greatest martial artists that are out there right now and also we got movie stars coming up. We got all types of people coming out to to, to celebrate this the BAMs, you know, quest for the Dragon Star um, reunion of the WMAC Masters cast and crew. That's cool. We will definitely put a put a link for that on the show notes when the show comes out. So, so I'm I'm curious now to to jump ahead a little. What what led to the motivational speaking? How did that become part of your life? Well, I don't know. That's just from teaching. You know, I mean, I'm just. I just I just love helping and empowering people. I mean, once again, you know, the Bruce Lee thing inspired me to just want to give my heart, my soul. And um, I don't know, my instructor told me one time when I was young and I was just a selfish little teacher just teaching. He said, <laughs> man, you have such a presence where you can go ahead and tell someone to jump out the window and they would do it. And now you need to use that for something good. Very cool. Okay. You know, and that's what led to it. So now that's what I focus on to, to empower people, inspire people and just, you know, use my gift to, to uplift the next generation. Very cool. Nice. And I will definitely, like I said, I'll put a link to your website out there and everything too. So, so I'm curious now you've been, you know, competing for quite a while and been in martial arts most of your life. What are your thoughts on MMA and the UFC? And are you a fan at all? Well, my thoughts is that we created a sport called point MMA. Okay. Um, that's what I got on the cover of Black Belt Magazine for. It's called Point MMA. Are you technically ready? It's a wholesome approach to being able to do MMA because it's not going anywhere. And the UFC has made martial arts more popular than anything before its time. Mm-hmm. So you got it. You got it. It's everywhere. It's going to be there. So what we can do, and you can see how the traditional martial artists are coming in and bringing it in more as an athletic sport. You can see the traditions trying to come in. You know, it doesn't take away from the violence and the gore. We created Point MMA because we didn't want to reinforce the negative violence, not just that was happening in the street, but also, you know, to take away and bring that to the kids. You can't have them being in there being beat up in cages and all that stuff. So right. we work with so many people, created Point MMA. Black Belt Magazine called it the wholesome approach for kids, and it will save our kids. Because we're not trying to make fighters for the cage. We're trying to make fighters for life. Okay, cool. I'll have to, I don't, first I've heard about that. So I'll have to do a little research into that. That sounds very interesting. Yeah, me and my wife put it together. I mean, and now they have a, there's a youth MMA league that's trying to make MMA a a, a sport. And they be doing world championships all over the world. I'm Italy everywhere. And we just united with them through um, the help of um, Arlie Lemus, the Olympic gold medalist. But we united and now our sport is a B-level tier competition for anybody that don't want to get caught up into the beating and banging. But it's it's really point fighting. That's what it is. It's point fighting with ground control. 
Okay. You know, so that's really what it is. Just bring because at one time I think reason why MMA became so big because the sparring and all the stuff, martial arts became so commercial. They were trying to take away the fighting and MMA got in because people knew that at the core of martial arts, fighting makes you better. And because people were taking it back, taking it away and it was becoming so commercial, it got in through the gap. And now that's what we got right now. And we wanted to not just give them that option. We wanted to give them a more technical option where we can really make sure you develop your technique and your skill and you can stop your technique an inch before impact. Yeah, I'm actually looking at the website right now, thepointmma.com. Very cool. Yeah, I will add that link to my list also. All right. So next question, who would you put, uh, and you don't have to pick four, you don't have to, but I mean, who were some martial artists that you would put on your Mount Rushmore of martial arts? Kimber Johnson, my wife. Nice. My kids. That's why I would put there because they're my heroes. Oh, wow. Very Messiah cool. Messiah Johnson, Zarion Johnson, Naila Johnson, Marco Johnson. I would put my family on my Mount Rushmore because they inspired me to get up and do what I'm doing. I'm assuming they're all involved in martial arts heavily too. Yeah. My wife runs the school with me. She's the creator of Point MMA as well. Okay. In all your years of martial arts, is there one philosophy that really stands out for you that you've learned? Flowing in harmony with the universe. Nice. Good answer. All right. Now these next, next ones, you cannot pick anything you've been involved in. So first of all, do you have a favorite martial arts book? Anything by Master Yum. Oh yeah. Very cool. Right. How about a favorite martial arts video game? Were you ever a, a gamer? Uh, Tekken. My wife used to cheat me in that all the time. <laughs> nice. God, I haven't played Tekken in years. That was fun. I, I actually worked in a, uh, in a retail store when that game came out <laughs> and we'd set it up in the electronics department and play it on our breaks. So I <laughs> used to love that game. All right. How about a favorite martial arts TV show? Favorite martial arts TV show. Kung Fu. Okay. Classic, classic. So I got to ask, since you, you were a fan of the original, did you ever watch the one in the early nineties, the Kung Fu with the legend continues? No. Okay. I just watched the old one. All right. Not many people watched. It's probably why it didn't last that long. Not many people watched the, the, the sequel like I did. So, all right. And how about a favorite martial arts movie? Chinese connection. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> nice. It's a good one. Good one. And this final question, this one, now it doesn't have to be a martial arts movie, but is there any movie you've seen that just you think has an amazing fight scene. I, I had to pick Sonny Chiba, uh, Street Fighter. Nice. Number one. Very cool. Sonny Chiba. I got it. That, haven't heard that name on here in a while. That's cool. He's got some great movies. So, all right, cool, cool. So anything else before, before I let you go, anything else that we haven't, haven't covered? I said, I got links for everything. I got links for your, for your website, for your, uh, your, for your school, for your point MMA, anything else? I'll put a link to your IMDB page and, and everything. And anything else you want to mention before we wrap it up here? Well, no, uh, um, probably just at the Capital Classics along with the um, reunion. We'll also have a social entrepreneurship seminar coming up to really bring about social change to help, you know, bring about, Things in the community that can empower our youth. Okay. Because we're also doing a one million a one million scholarship drive where our goal is to give away one million scholarships. Wow. A point MMA. That's our ultimate goal. My son actually just moved to Arlington, so maybe I'll have to maybe plan a trip out there and come out for the tournament. That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the big ones. So and it hasn't been going on since COVID. So you you expect a big turnout to um, happen. 
Nice. Because it's been on hiatus for like what about two years now because of COVID. Yep. Yeah, that sounds about right. Because I, mean, I think the Diamond Nationals happened this year for the first time in a few years too. So that's good. I'm glad they're starting to come back. So I just want to thank you so much. This has been so much fun. I, I love everything you're involved in. I, I love what you're doing for everyone and, and what you're doing with your organization and your, and your the kids stuff and everything. And I'm just it's it's so cool that that, you, that you're continuing to do that through martial arts and continued success and everything. But I will I will send you links when the show's ready to go on. It'll be probably about a month before this episode comes out. But I, I just want to thank you for your time and I, I truly appreciate it. Yeah, and I thank you too. I mean, it's the probably the first interview that we tried to stay away from the negativity. It was mentioned, but we talked more about the positivity and the principles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad. I, I really appreciate that because. Like I said, sometimes that's talked about more than we talk about the transformation and so forth. Right. I, I always try to keep it positive. You know, I've had some guests with like some controversial stuff and I try to steer it away from that and try to keep it as much as I can away from the negativity. And, and I want it to be a positive show and want people to enjoy it. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad people, you know, so far the, the it's been, you know, positive feedback from listeners. So I keep doing it the way I'm doing it. Yeah, keep yeah, keep it up. And I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate that a whole lot. So, yeah, I'm pumped up too. So, thank you. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.